everybody, and welcome to The Wench Bench, where friends sit and talk about fabulous fictional females and how their stories have influenced us throughout our lives. My name is Fonda. And my name is Allison. And I have no idea who Allison is going to be talking about today. Apparently, I need to guess, because it's a surprise. So (laughs) how many guesses do I get? I'll give you a hint first. Oh, okay, okay. So I picked a villain. Not an anti-hero, not any of that, like a legit, straight-up villain, because we haven't talked about one yet. Okay, okay, a villain. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. Is it... Well... (laughs) Okay, now I need to go through my brain, like, who's actually considered a villain and not an anti-hero? I know, it's hard, right? Hard. Is this female character from DC? No. What about Marvel? Technically. Technically. Okay, okay. Have they been in movies I've watched? Yes. Owned by Disney? Yes. Okay. <laughs> what is it, though? It's so true. Mm. It, <laughs> this is hard. Oh no. Um, is it from the Sandman series? Is no. The, oh, frick. It's a very big series. Very big. I know it. Yeah. Frick. Because <laughs> it's it's been movies and it's been comics. Oh, it's been movies and it's been comics. Oh, frick. Yeah. Just give me a second. Can I have another hint? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. A movie in the series just came out. Just came out? Yeah. Like 2019? Yeah. Oh! Is it? It's not Star Wars. Yes, it is. It is! I didn't know that. It's Star Wars. Okay. 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 Is it What's Her Pickle, the very cool badass female that's part of the Stormtroopers? Captain Phasma? Yeah! Yeah! That she's the first person that came to mind, but I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, talk. Okay, so Allison's talking about Captain Phasma, everybody. If you didn't just hear that, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I wanted to talk about Captain Phasma because when we're recording this, the Rise of Skywalker just came out. Uh, she's not in it, and Phasma, I believe, is like up there with, like, most punked female characters. She was built up to this, like, crazy high, awesome expectation, and then we just got nothing out of her as far as the film universe is concerned. The the canon expanded universe is really cool. Like, she got her own comic, she got a book, and she appeared in a bunch of other comics, and you really got to see how much of a stone cold evil badass she is but you don't get that in the movies like at all and it's so frustrating because they had like all of these toys and all of this cool stuff and I was so excited about her and then she just gets punked and it's lame but she's awesome so (laughs) yeah so Phasma is basically like the reason I have now delved into the extended universe of Star Wars, I now completely feel all of those people who, when The Force Awakens came out, were like, why did they ignore all the extended universe stuff? It was so awesome. And now that's me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I get it now. I get it. I understand. <laughs> I'm going to kind of go through like the movies and the comics and all that stuff. I'm going to talk about, I think, the book probably the most because there's a ton of information And if you haven't read it, hopefully what I talk about will make you want to read it because it was just such an interesting story and it actually has another awesome female character in it who we'll touch on because she's cool. She's cool. So we're going to start with The Force Awakens. The movie introduces Phasma as an unyielding and imposing captain of First Order troopers. We first see her leading an attack on a village in an attempt to find a star map that would eventually lead to Luke Skywalker. And eventually she orders the death of everyone in the village, which causes Finn, one of our main characters, Mm -hmm. to second guess his allegiances to the First Order. 
that idea of like eliminating loose ends no matter how innocent they are actually eventually super comes into her character in the future so it's she gets this awesome introduction and this awesome setup and then the end of the movie happens and she gets taken hostage she shuts down the shields at gunpoint and then gets thrown in a trash compactor so pretty lame especially considering how much they like pushed her character in all of the ads and toys and everything it's like she gets like 20 minutes of screen time and then gets beat up basically pretty easily i mean don't get me wrong a wookie hit her over the head so (laughs) i'd probably pass out too but that ends up leading into the comic book story which i'll touch on after we talk about the last jedi I don't know about you, but I wasn't a fan of The Last Jedi. Um, (laughs) there were things I thought were fun, Mm -hmm. like all the Jedi fighting. Yeah. Like, I really thought that was cool. And that is where my opinion will end. (laughs) Yes. So my frustration is that at the end of that movie, everybody was in the same place they were at the beginning. There were little things that could have been done. So there's actually a quote from Ryan Johnson that said that he wanted to use Phasma more, but just didn't know where to put her. And I'm going to I'm gonna put this idea to you. So instead of having them go to this casino planet where you learn about, like, warmongering and politics and stuff, imagine if Phasma was chasing Finn and Poe through the universe because Finn is a defector and he knows that she's the one who blew up Starkiller Base. Better storyline? Yes. More Phasma? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) It makes that storyline way more interesting. I hated the casino planet. That entire storyline was... I don't remember anything about the casino. Yeah. Except that they were at the casino. Yeah. Either way, (laughs) there were ways, but I just feel like he was a little too up his own self for it but there are some people who loved it and thought it was a great time and if that's your opinion right on (laughs) we will agree to disagree (laughs) my exact line to sum up the movie is at some point in a very convoluted and pointless plot during this movie finn rose and a hacker who is clearly gonna betray them end up on a big ship where they need to disable a tracking device they are caught and brought before phasma And she's finally in the movie. (laughs) Phasma orders Finn to be executed, but before that can happen, a resistance ship crashes into the big ship and chaos ensues. Phasma and Finn then fight trading blows, but eventually the ground falls out from beneath her and she falls to a fiery end. Since it's stated that she dies, it's kind of ambiguous though, so I feel like Extended Universe might still be able to have some fun with her. Because she she still might have survived. Was she not in the latest one? I haven't seen the latest. Oh, she wasn't. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she was not in it. Okay. But yeah, so she kind of just gets punked in The Last Jedi again. We'll talk a little bit about different things. Like I kind of have like a fun fact section where we'll talk more about alternate scenes and stuff. And how those would come to terms. Um, So can you... Tell me what it is you enjoy about Captain Phasma, Allison. Captain Phasma is unapologetically evil. She is probably the closest character to neutral evil. Like, she is all about her. Doesn't matter what happens. She is not loyal to the First Order at all. She is loyal to Phasma. It just so happens that her wants align with the First Order... And so she sticks around with that. We'll get into that more with the comics Mm. and all that kind of stuff. Her design is incredible. Absolutely cool. I was reading all about her gun and how it's like a specialized blaster that can be turned into a sniper and like all of this other stuff. And it's super cool. And she's just so fucking awesome. (laughs) I have her. Yeah, her design just immediately struck me. And she is actually the second on-screen female villain. In all of the Star Wars movies, she's only the second one. Really? Yeah. The first one is an assassin in the prequel trilogy. And that's mm. it. Like, in a in a 
world so lacking in female characters. Uh, it's great to see them actually have this incredible, yeah, evil character that just is bad. <laughs> There's no redeeming qualities. She doesn't have a redemption arc, which is very rare for female characters. That's why I wanted you to try and guess, because it's like female villains who don't have quality reasons for being evil or who don't have some sort of redeeming quality are so few and far between but there are a lot of males. Like, it's hard It's hard to find a male because there's so many. Yeah. Whereas, like, it's hard to think of a female one because there's so few. So it's, like, Yeah, opposites. or really hard to define, depending on, like, what you're taking for a source mm-hmm. for a female villain. When you were like, yeah, a lot of female villains have a redeeming quality or redemption arc. I was like, damn, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking of like Steven Universe, for example. They have a lot of quote unquote they were bad, got a redemption arc. Yeah, like Shira has that. There's a lot of series that have it, and like redemption arcs are nice. I think they're good yeah. to have. Yeah, but you're right. There's never just been like, she's not changing. Like, yeah, she, and like or they are going to continue. Yeah, and there is, like, the argument to be made that most people have a redeeming quality. Like... Like something. No matter how small, most people have that redeeming quality. The most redeeming quality of Phasma is that you at least, if you know her, like the viewers do, not like anybody that she actually interacts with does, but if you actually know her character, you can guess what she's going to do. Because she's going to do whatever it takes to survive and be on top at the end. So, I mean, if she likes animals, I would count that as a redeeming quality. <laughs> Does she? Does she like dogs? There's not really any, like, moment where she is in contact with animals. Okay. Unless they're trying to kill her. So Fair. Okay. Yeah, she almost has a redeeming quality in the books. Oh. And then she doesn't. (laughs) And then it's gone. (laughs) And then it goes away. So we're going to talk about the comic. It's a four-issue miniseries. I'm pretty sure it's in trade paperback now. Um, It was released in September of 2017, written by Kelly Thompson and with art by Marco Cicchetto. In this comic, Captain Phasma pursues loose ends while framing Lieutenant Saul Rivas, for lowering the shields to Starkiller base. Her pursuit takes her to the planet Laprora after she requisitions a TIE fighter, its pilot, TN-3465, and the astromech droid BBK-8. The comic picks up right where we left off, in a trash compactor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trash compactors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, She actually escapes and goes to clear the computer of her involvement and finds that this lieutenant was the last one to use it before her, so she takes advantage of that fact and uses him as her scapegoat. She spots Rivas trying to escape and attempts to shoot him, but he manages to get away in a TIE fighter, so she enlists the help of this pilot, TN-3465, and her little black BB droid, K-8. And they're a fighter to pursue him. During the pursuit, she actually begins to record notes on her actions, kind of stating them like she wants them to be. So she essentially is immediately starting to rewrite history so that when she returns, there is, like, information and stuff. So she can be like, no, I didn't lower the shields. What are you talking about? (laughs) So cool. Sneaky lady. Yes. Very sneaky. Crafty woman. (laughs) Unable to shoot him down due to the damaged weaponry on the TIE fighter she got into, they had to wait out his fuel since they got a better TIE fighter that has a longer fuel hold, I guess. Okay. And then eventually he had to land down on this planet. They found Rivas's fighter and disabled all of its communications so that he could not call for help, so that he could not send a distress signal. Because that would have looked fishy for somebody who just blew up a planet to send out a distress signal covering all the bases. Oh my. 
And it turns out that Rivas had been actually captured by some of the native life forms on the planet. So in order to not look so suspicious, they changed into some salvaged civilian clothes and Phasma found a different helmet to put on Mm. because you never see her face. And they also took the names Captain and Pilot instead so that they're not referring to each other as more recognizable names. Mm -hmm. On their way to a nearby village, they get attacked by a big-ass tentacle monster. Oh, fun. Phasma kills it with a knife because she's cool. She's got knife (laughs) skills. Just puts it down and it's awesome. And these big tentacle monsters are called Swells. Swells? Swells. There's, there's some weird names in this, so fair warning right now. There's weird names in Star Wars in general. I'm just oh, yeah. Lots of, lots of apostrophes. Yeah. For no reason. Like, it's T-S-W apostrophe E-L-L-S. Cool. Yep. <laughs> they then meet the Lapror. A group of settlers struggling to survive against the rising sea levels, the swells, and the Raora, an aquatic people who they had trouble with. So the Raora are actually the native creatures on this planet. Oh. And then the Lapror are the settlers. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> uh, Phasma learns that the Raora have Rivas, and she must find a way to get him back. While talking to the other villagers... And gathering her resources, she makes a plan, and she dons her armor again to inspire the Lepror people to fight back against the Raora. Go! Yeah. Okay, I see what you're doing. I see what's going. One of the issues with them attacking, though, is that they have to cross this body of water that has the swells in it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so she finds a way that she can electrocute all of them oh so that they God. can then cross this water path. So that's what she does. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. She is relentless. Oh, my. While Phasma and TN3465 are climbing a cliff after they've crossed this water, Phasma refers to her as Siv, which we'll get to later (laughs) once phasma and her new army reach the top a battle begins with the raora and she is able to slip away with the pilot and phasma finds rivas and executes him after he says that she was the one who blew up the base and begs for her to spare his life swearing that he will keep her secret and she doesn't take chances she does not Oh, ever. <laughs> uh, TN3465 sees this and is absolutely horrified because she's outside kind of keeping watch. And so she sees this happen and she's seeing all the Laprora like dying and like all this stuff is going down. And she's like, this is all like our fault, basically, which is true. And when Phasma comes out, the pilot asks about what they should do about the battle going on around them. And Phasma simply replies that the Lepror have taken land from the Raora and are not suited to this planet, so they have merely sped up the inevitable extinction of their people. Wow! That's... (laughs) A blunt reality truth-breaking statement? She's very black and white. (laughs) Oh my word, okay. Yep. Wow. Yep. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> I just, I'm glad she's fictional and I don't have to cross her path ever in my life. <laughs> uh, once back to the ship, she shoots the BB droid and then TN3465 saying that even one loose end was too much. Yeah. Oh my god. Ah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh. uh, Does she love anything? I'm just besides herself. No. No. That's fine. <laughs> the answer is a hard no. That's fine. I just want to know if maybe I told you no redeeming qualities. Yep, that's fine. Let's let's keep going. <laughs> Returning to the main ship, having completely covered her own ass, 
She informs General Hux of what has transpired, and he remarks that even an exploding planet could not impede her loyalty to the First Order, having no idea what kind of person she really is. <laughs> yeah. So he sees it as this, like, oh man, like, she's hardcore. Like, good job. Yeah, he's a traitor. You, it's good that you hunted him down and yeah, killed him. Yeah, you're loyal. Thank you. <laughs> really, she's out for numero uno. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the comic. <laughs> So, who is this Siv? So this Siv, we actually meet in the book. Oh. Yay! Which I'm going to talk about now. Okay, okay. Seriously, read the book. I'm, I'm going to go through it. What's I'm gonna, the book called? The book is called just Phasma. Oh. A Star, I think it's Phasma, a Star Wars story. It was originally going to be called Phasma, Blood, and Chrome. Oh! <laughs> Can we talk about that name choice? Phasma. Blood and Chrome. I wish they had oh, that the name. Okay, it's so cool. <laughs> so it's a really good book. I'm gonna talk about all the different things that she does in it, but it still doesn't cover all the nuances. As I've probably said before, it's still definitely worth reading. If what I talk about sounds interesting to you, if you don't want to hear me talk about it at all, I guess this isn't the episode for you. <laughs> So the book was published in September of 2017 and was written by Delilah S. Dawson. The basic plot is a resistance spy named Vi Moradi is captured and brought aboard the First Order Star Destroyer Absolution, where she is interrogated in secret by Cardinal, a stormtrooper captain in red armor. Red? Yeah. Cool. So awesome. Cardinal seeks information to use against his nemesis, the powerful Captain Phasma. Oh, <laughs> okay. Buying time to stay alive and hopefully affect her escape, Vi tells the extended story of Phasma's origins on the ruined planet Parnassus. As told to her by Siv, one of Phasma's former warriors. <sighs> okay. <laughs> So we start at the beginning of Phasma's known story, where she essentially sacrifices her family and her small clan, except her brother, so that the two of them can join the Skyer clan and have a better chance at surviving on the irradiated planet they live on. During this, she has to wound her brother and she stabs him in the foot, which permanently keeps him from walking. Oh. Because on this planet, people don't really heal very well because of all the radiation and stuff. Uh, and so any wound can cause... Severe damage. Severe damage. And so he ends up not being able to walk anymore because of this. Fawn is making a sad face. <laughs> That's just really... Yeah. It starts walk. off with just... Yeah, her. she's like, I want to be in a stronger clan. And my clan is weak. So they deserve to die. Except for my brother, who I love. Kind of. I love enough. There's some degree of affection. Yes. Even <laughs> even if it's not affection, it's loyalty. It's some loyalty. degree of loyalty to her brother because that is her family, but not to her parents because she probably thought they were weak. And weakness is not allowed. <laughs> cool. Great family. Yeah. So she spends most of her life scavenging and wearing protective gear. So in the books, she's also always wearing a helmet. By the age of 16, Phasma is an accomplished warrior and leader of the Skyer clan's warriors. Some of her most devoted followers are Torben, Carr, Siv, and Gosta. So, three boys, one girl. When someone fatally wounds their clan leader, some shit goes down and it eventually results in Phasma and her brother Keldo becoming co-leaders. So Phasma's kind of handling the warrior and the protection... And he's handling the the people and the political stuff. Because Fonda's... Because Fonda... Yes, I am the evil villain. <laughs> Furthest from. <laughs> because Phasma is not really cut out for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Two years later, we meet a child named Frey. And children rarely live that long on Parnassus. Like, the child death rate is huge, and so they are considered quite precious. And Phasma actually takes a liking to Frey and teaches her how to fight. During an attack by a rival clan, the Claws, 
Phasma and her followers repel the attackers, killing 12, and it is revealed that Phasma did all the fighting with Frey strapped to her in order to protect the child, which is cool and impressive. <laughs> she like maybe evil, but she does. She gonna protect this kid. Impressive thing. Phasma wanted to attack the claws as payback, but Keldo only wanted to use force in defense. So he organized a truce between the two clans, which caused the beginning of a rift between the siblings. Oh no. Oh no. What a rift. An escape pod eventually crashes on the edge of the claw territory, and reluctantly, Keldo approved a salvage party to go and retrieve anything useful. But he does say that they cannot break the treaty and they cannot kill any of the claws. Phasma almost immediately goes against her brother's wishes, and her and her followers kill a claw sentry. Oh, great. Yeah. Cool. This is where we meet First Order General Brendel Hux. So this is the movie's Hux, but his dad. Oh, okay. Got mm. it. So the, the movie guy is Armitage, and his dad is Brendel. So yeah, we first we f- meet First Order General Brendel Hux, PT-2445. We'll, known, we'll call him Pete, as the books do. LE-2003, also known as Ellie. HF-0518, Huff and a black droid. The claw leader says that Phasma is violating the treaty, so she kills him and convinces the general to follow her and she will get him back to his actual ship. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'm following. (laughs) While traveling back to her clan, Phasma learns all about the First Order and ingratiates herself with the general. She believes that he can offer her and her clan a better life, but it's mostly about her. Upon return, Keldo is skeptical of the newcomers and denies them aid for their journey back to their ship. Phasma once again does what she believes to be best and steals the clan's food, water, and tools and departs that night with her four closest warriors and the general. Well, (laughs) I have nothing to say. I don't like her decisions. I don't like her choice-making skills at all. Oh, If she was a child in kindergarten, I'd be like, what you're doing is wrong. Let's have a conversation about it. (laughs) This entire time, this whole story is being told by Vi. Um, She's super cool. And yeah, she's just like trying to manipulate Cardinal into like hating Phasma more and letting her go. Mm -hmm. And it's cool. And she's awesome. So women manipulating men. Yes. They can do it just as well. As men manipulating female characters. If not better. Isn't it? Isn't there a thing where it's like men perceive women as a threat like three or five seconds longer than they perceive a male as a threat? I'm pretty sure I heard something where it someone takes was, them longer. It takes them longer yeah, okay, to like yeah. recognize yeah. that a woman is a threat by like three to five seconds more yeah, than sounds, they would as a man. Sounds right. If not a little too short. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, either who. Along their travels, they end up in a desert that's half sand and half volcanic ash. Carr was then bit by a golden green beetle, and he began to swell up and eventually exploded into water, only to have more of those beetles rush up and eat his remains. What? (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) That happened. There's a lot of shit happening, my god. This planet sounds horrifying. I don't ever want to go there. No. No. No! Oh, dear. Uh, They were attacked twice in the desert, once by marauders riding sleds pulled by giant lizards, and once by a pack of skin wolves. Phasma showed great skill in these fights and impressed General Hux, Unfortunately, he had been bitten by a skin wolf and his condition was worsening. One night, they are visited by a protocol droid that originated at an old mining facility on Parnassus. The droid took them to the facility and treated Brendel, but the group had no credits to pay, so they had to become indentured servants to the droids in the factory. So the droids are kind of have gone crazy because all the people have been dead and so they haven't had regular service and so they've turned into like really weird like almost religious zealots 
like worshiping the mining facility, like they're oh. um, quote unquote gods. Okay. Yeah. So these droids are fucking crazy. And it's a super cool part in the book, but I'm not going to talk that much about it. <laughs> That's okay. Mentioning it and moving on works just fine. <laughs> yes. Stuff happens in the facility and they do eventually escape. Um, after they escape, Siv is kind of talking about how she is really curious about their history and how she kind of wishes she could have learned more because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because she would have liked to know where the planet is from. And Phasma remarks that it doesn't matter and that they will make a new home in the stars. That's slightly... that Okay, if, you, if I was to take everything out of context <laughs> and you were to just say, this character said to this person, it doesn't matter, we will make a new home out of the stars. That sounds nice and kind of romantic, but knowing the context of who we're talking about, I'm very skeptical and worried about this. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. <laughs> Um, having no way of really knowing what direction the ship crash is, Phasma takes a guess and they end up at a city built around Aratu Station. Upon approach, Ellie crashes her speeder and gets a broken neck. Everyone is taken into custody and Hux actually gives Ellie's helmet to Phasma because they have no way of making her better. They eventually take part in gladiator battles and cool stuff. Gladiator battles. Yeah. Space gladiator battles. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yes. At one point, they they win against this other combatant, and Phasma tells Siv to essentially kill him because he's on the ground and she refuses to. After this, Phasma springboards off of Torben's back and up into the box of the guy who like controls the city, and she just murders the shit out of him. What was that prompted? prior was that the plan well he's the one who controls the city and so he's in charge and if they want to get out oh he has to die (laughs) okay (laughs) i I didn't make that connection immediately but okay yeah so they're they're basically like slaves that have to fight so they end up in a lot of weird places got it um one of the other people that they met in the city says that they should stay and become the new leaders and they don't want to, but he's like, well, you're really good fighters, so if I'm the new leader now, I kind of want you to stay here and fight. So they end up having to fight their way out of this city, and they do eventually escape um, with some supplies and transport. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, after, while they're traveling to their next destination, Hux mentions that Phasma would not make a good soldier, but a fine leader. So she is not good at following direction. <laughs> no, she is not. But she's real good at getting stuff done. They eventually come upon a gand named Chirk, who warns them about entering the Deadlands, which is where the ship is, mm. since they are filled with more radiation than the rest of the planet. But Hux convinces everyone to go anyways, since the First Order can cure radiation poisoning. Oh. Mm-hmm. During all of this, Keldo has rallied both the Skyre and the Claw clans to pursue Phasma, but when they come upon them, the others escape further into the Badlands, so now they're being chased by the rest of the clans. Uh, during this, Gosta is injured and cannot keep up, so when one of the troopers turns around to fire on the clan, he is killed as well as some of the other clan members. Eventually, they reach the ship, all beginning to suffer from different levels of radiation poisoning. And while Brendel goes inside to call the First Order for help, the rest fight off the clans at the cost of the last two troopers and Torben's life. When the dust settles, only Phasma, Siv, Keldo, and Frey are left alive. After a short argument, Phasma shoots her brother in the head. Oh. (laughs) I thought that was going to be a louder sound of dismay. Oh, I'm so not happy. Okay. Oh, Oh, she makes me sad. (laughs) I mean, she looks cool. She does badass things, but she makes me very sad. She's evil. Oh, yeah. I I understand more now. Yeah. The movies don't do her justice for villainy. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh boy, okay, continue. I'm emotionally compromised, but it's fine. <laughs> After that, Brendel remarks that the First Order needs strong children, so they decide to take Frey with them. And cool. when the First Order does arrive, along with Armitage Hux, Brendel invites Phasma and Frey to join them, but refuses Siv, saying that she is too soft. Phasma agrees because oh. Siv disobeyed her and suggests that she return to the mining station for medical assistance. Mm, nope, nope, nope. Yep. But she does make it back and she eventually recovers and she actually does give birth to a child named Torby. Torby? Yeah. And it is there that she will eventually tell this story to a resistance spy collecting information on Phasma. Oh. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Oh my. So once returning to the mobile base, Phasma begins her training. After she completed it, she was put in charge of the teenage and adult trainees, while Brendel's old protege, Cardinal, was given the new and young recruits. Brendel also made her his personal guard, replacing Cardinal. So he's just getting, like, totally usurped by Phasma. A year later, she returned to, Parta to, to Parnassus to salvage the chrome plating from Hux's crashed ship and to get one of those beetles. Is that how she got that cool suit? She then used the plating to make her armor. Ah! So okay. if any of you guys remember the Naboo ships, yeah, 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 yeah. that's what her armor is made of. Oh! That shiny material. Yeah. Well. So Cardinal and Phasma butt heads a lot, and he disagrees with her training methods, but he has no real, like, reason mm -hmm. to try and get her kicked out because she is doing so well, and she eventually rises to captain and gets heavily featured in the propaganda and stuff that they're spreading. Oh. Ah. Phasma would eventually partner with Armitage to kill Brendel using the Parnassus beetle because he's a loose end. He knows about her history. <sighs> Dear God. My of course. goodness. Do you know who else is the loose end? Don't. Don't. Allison, don't tell me. <laughs> I don't want to know. Wanda looks so sad. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> But you you have to tell the listeners. She also kills Frey. Ah! <laughs> no! Allison! <laughs> oh, God. Okay, fine. During a training exercise. <laughs> oh, June! So, no! it, so it looks like an accident. Oh, Phasma, you stone-cold bitch! Oh! God. <laughs> okay. <sighs> I'll be fine. Yeah. During all of this, Cardinal has been speaking with Vi, and so he takes all of this information, including the circumstantial evidence about the beetles from her home planet mm -hmm. that killed Brendel, to Armitage. Mm -hmm. But he ends up finding out that Armitage kind of knows. So, yeah. <laughs> Cardinal's, like, starting to panic because he's like, shit, I went to the wrong places. I'm stuck. <laughs> they know now. And Armitage hints to Phasma that Cardinal was becoming a thorn in her side. Before he confronts her, Cardinal leaves the interrogation room open to allow Vi to escape. And during the confrontation, the two fight, and Cardinal uses a blade from Parnassus, which Phasma recognizes and knows to be laced with poison. And Phasma eventually wrestles the blade away and stabs Cardinal. Before leaving him to die, she removes her helmet, showing him her face and embracing her identity as a monster and a murderer, and oh. vowing to return to Parnassus to see who she left behind. Oh! Oh! Oh. Vi ends up rescuing him and the two escape. Ah! That was a bet. You'll have to cut that sound out, but ah! <laughs> ah! Okay. Yeah. So now, like, do you see why I'm so frustrated yeah! with what happened in The Last Jedi? Is that they started ah! all of these cool storylines for all of these characters. And that's just one of the books. Yeah. That's not including any of the other books that were requisitioned. I would love to see all of that. Just like oh, 
that would be in cool. I would hate visual her more, form. Yeah. But, like, like her as a villain. I think it's good to like villains. I don't think it says anything bad about a person to be like, I enjoyed this villain. I find them interesting. Yeah. It's like you could acknowledge they're bad yeah. and evil, but also acknowledge that what they are is a good villain. Yes. And enjoy them for that. What I would have liked would have been for them to kind of explore that so that then when she did die, you can write, like, a good death. Like, people are excited to see her die because they hate her so much. Yeah. Whereas, (gasps) not just, like, falling into a pit, this random character that you did nothing with, and it's just like, ugh. It, it could have been, been cool. so cool. Even just, like, slightly putting in putting in something, like, randomly showing by. Yeah. Or did she... I don't even remember if this is a line she said in the movie. But, like, if she would have said something like, oh, it's a loose end. Right? Yeah. Like, just, like, a quick thing to yeah. be like, oh, she handles her loose ends. Which, now, it makes a lot more sense if she had been fucking hunting down Finn. Finn, yeah. Because he is a loose end. It's like, of course she would want to hunt him down and kill him. Like, she would 100% leave the First Order stuff to try and murder this dude who knows that she blew up Starkiller Base. Like, who's a who could compromise her position? I'm sad. Like, I feel like I've been right? robbed of a cool plot line. Yeah. Oh, frick. But I have a couple fun facts oh, for you. Oh, fact time. So, not many, but a few. The design of her costume was actually intended for Kylo Ren. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm his glad character. She has it. Yeah. It looks cool on her. Yeah, like his character was gonna be like the leader of the stormtroopers and then mm. Abrams had kind of a different idea where he really wanted him to be on the on the force kind of side, like yeah. a little bit more Vadery. I think it would have been cool if he could have been more like his dad, you know? If if Ben was Ben solo. Yeah. And not Kylo Ren. Yeah. But oh well. Oh well. You know, say lovey. Abrams actually had something else in mind, so he scrapped it. But Kathleen Kennedy found the design and liked it so much that she kind of pushed for it to be made into a different character. Uh, Originally, the character was designed, was for a man. Um, They were actually looking at, Abrams was looking at Benedict Cumberbatch for the part. (laughs) Because we definitely need more white men in Star Wars. But... Christie, uh, Gwendolyn Christie, had been fighting so hard to get a role in Star Wars. Like, she was constantly just, like, yes, calling her agent. Yes, queen! Yes! We love this! Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> so she kept being like, I want a part in Star Wars! Give it to me! <gasps> She's cool. Give it to me! And so they decided to change it for her. Yay! Yay! She actually, for her acting in the movie, she took a lot of inspiration from the armor and used it as an opportunity to explore the gesture of a character. Mm. And while she was doing it, she actually had no idea it was originally intended to be a man. So just generally being awesome. It took 45 minutes for her to get dressed. (laughs) That's very little if you're considering how long it takes a lot of other people (laughs) to get into costume. Yeah. And as I had mentioned, everything was, like, specifically designed for this character, like the shiny armor, the Mm -hmm. cool blaster, all of that stuff. Uh, Abrams named the character after the old movie Phantasm because it looked like a glowing orb in it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Phasma, as I mentioned, Phasma is the second on-screen villain behind Zam Wessel was the name of the assassin. Zam. And in one of the most ironic statements ever, with Captain Phasma, the filmmakers wish to push the boundaries of traditional roles for female characters. Which, when you consider how few female characters there are in Star Wars, it's not fucking hard. (laughs) Allison looks very salty (laughs) about this. I mean, to be fair, Phasma... With, I don't think a lot of thanks to the movies has become an incredibly unique female character. Mm-hmm. She is so evil and bad that it's like, I don't think we see that with women a lot. So she is like, she is pushing the boundaries, but not thanks to the movies. Yeah. Or like, enough, really. Yeah. yeah. And that is thanks to two female writers. 
love women in writing. I know. <laughs> yeah, so like yeah thanks to two female writers she became something more interesting which i feel happens a lot with female characters kind of in every genre but yeah here's another one that i read which director ryan johnson stated that he would have loved to feature more captain phasma as i mentioned but the movie was already quite full and there was no place for her in the story other than a brief appearance near the end Her death scene was originally longer. After the floor starts to collapse, she and a few stormtroopers manage to crawl back onto a platform in front of Finn again, and she calls him a traitor. Finn then manages to turn the troopers against Phasma by telling them about how quickly she lowered the shields on Starkiller base. Phasma quickly dispatches the troopers, after which Finn manages to grab a blaster cannon and finally kills Phasma. The scene was shortened to what it is in the movie, but the deleted part can be viewed on the Blu-ray edition. So, this scene, I have a couple quick little issues with. It would have been a cool scene had you had her spending the rest of the movie hunting him down. Had you really showed how determined she was to save her own ass, it would have made a lot more sense for it all to kind of come crumbling down when it was revealed what kind of person she was. And when her true nature was revealed, it would have felt more important and more impactful. Yeah, I like I thought visually she was cool and I was just excited to have a female like captain in the ranks. But I agree, like, again, and I th- I think you can tell because of how I was talking the mood the two movies didn't make her memorable no unfortunately no and so i feel like that scene done in the exact same movie would have been even worse than her quote-unquote death because as i mentioned kind of ambiguous mm-hmm. um so i'm glad that they changed that scene but that scene w- it had the the potential to be so cool it could have been could have been awesome. So that's but it. They didn't. That's it for my notes on Phasma. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> emotionally. <laughs> I'm emotionally exhausted at my frustration. <laughs> oh, but that's why you love her. Yes. Yes. Any questions? We, I covered a lot. It's you, fine. you covered a lot. Um, if anything, I do hope maybe at some point there's like a TV show adaptation of her or maybe a character that's involved in her story. So maybe Phasma doesn't have to be the center of it, Mm -hmm. but like maybe it's about what's her face's son or like them who are going after Phasma. So Phasma's in it, but like uh, through other people's story, like that would be really cool. That's why I think the book worked so well is that it was somebody else viewing her story like it was told from the point of view of other people because i feel like it makes sense that phasma wouldn't really be thinking about her own story yeah she probably doesn't care (laughs) no no she doesn't really look back ever but yeah i think if anything the mandalorian has shown what short form star wars can do and what adjacent star wars can do for the fans Mm -hmm. because like we don't need it to follow the skywalkers for us to want to consume star wars media like one of my favorite star wars movies is rogue one and there's a small little bit at the end with princess leia and it came out and it was after she died and i watched it and i like cried like a baby you're like (laughs) (laughs) us weeping yeah like like a baby (laughs) Jedi are cool, but, like, there's a lot of other cool things about yeah. the Star Wars universe. And, well, I like the idea, for anybody who hasn't watched The Mandalorian, um, it's not really a spoiler, but I like the idea of working with a Force-sensitive creature that doesn't really have a concept of the light and dark side of the Force, that it just is a thing, mm-hmm. and it can use it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like Star Wars has touched on the idea of force-sensitive creatures that do not buy into the whole light and dark side, that it just is a force that is that exists in the world. And I really like that idea mm-hmm. and playing with that topic because humans and our like are more corruptible with power, which I like that sort of dichotomy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Either way, uh, Fonda, what are you excited about? Oh, well, I'm really glad you asked me. So I'm playing a game called The Wolf Among Us. It's a telltale game series. And it's like it came out in 2013. So it's been out for like a long time. And I've heard people talk about it before, but I just never just I was like, I'll get it to it one day. Like I do most things. So I recently picked it up because I heard they're coming out with another like a part two for it. So I was like, oh, well, I should start now. It was on sale. So I got it. Nice. Um, But it's so cool. It's based off of Fables, which is an American comic book series created and written by Bill Willingham, and it's published by DC Comics Vertigo. It's basically about, like, all of the fables, like Little Red Riding Hood. It has Snow White in it. It has Beauty and the Beast story. Like, it has, like, all, like, even even fables that aren't well-known Mm-hmm. that like quote unquote Disney touched on like any fable that was used at all in history is a part of this like universe. Yeah. And fables really, is cool. It's super cool. I want to read the comics because of this game because I didn't know about it, but I'm really enjoying it because you play Big B Wolf. Oh, who's the big bad wolf. <laughs> and I love him so much. Um, he's very interesting and the way that they tackle a lot of the quote unquote like female princesses is really cool. And I think maybe if I read the comics, I might want to touch on some of those characters because Snow White is a very, she's very interesting so far in what I've been reading. And so is like Ariel, she's in it. And it's interesting because like not all of the fables recognize or know each other because they don't go by their real name often. Like, um... There's uh, Beauty and the Beast. So Beauty, who is Belle, just goes by Beauty. And, like, she's recognized. But there's also, like, um, have you heard of the Donkey Skin Girl fable before? No. Long story short, she doesn't go by the Donkey Skin Girl as her name. She (laughs) goes by Faith, but no one really recognizes or knows her because she's not well known. Okay. But she she ends up becoming a working girl. Instead of being like a princess because of how things are working in New York City and stuff. It's really cool. So I want to read the comics and the game is really neat and I'm really excited because I'm like, ah, I love fables and like fictional things and this is really cool. Yes. So that's what I'm excited about. Awesome. Yeah. Well, dear listeners, you can find us wherever podcasts can be found. Please make sure to rate and subscribe if you haven't already. You can follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram at WenchBenchPod. And if you want to reach out, you can send us an email at WenchBenchPod at gmail.com. All the art for the Wench Bench was designed by the wonderful Tessa Joyce Rican. You can find her on Twitter at Wervile. Thank you for listening and talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.